So when you get involved with these folks, uh, you're misunderstood. Now, to prove my point, how many have had at least one encounter in your life with a fellow believer, family member, pastor, friend, who just doesn't get why you're here this weekend, would you? <laughs> it has been my pleasure to select the faculty for you, and I would like for you to officially welcome from Oral Rod Roberts University, Dr. Brad Young. Please, Dr. Brad. from Restoration Fellowship International out of Cleveland, Tennessee. Welcome Dr. John Looper, please. And my pal who can't dance if you had to have him do it from Restoration Foundation, editor of Restore Magazine from Atlanta, Georgia, Dr. John Garth. Because of my introduction, both of the subject and of these august men who have dedicated their lives on your behalf to study while you work and to bring you the truth of the word of God, we have also been misunderstood. We have taken some lumps and accusations, but we've come through it. And my message tonight is to help us begin this weekend understanding what this is all about. Who are we? Why are we here? What is a proper way to identify what is going on? I want you outfitted for the climb. I want you prepared for the battle. I don't want you to give silly answers and confuse people who are already prejudiced against you. I want you to be able to answer yea and amen and from the word of God. Complicated things are always quite simple when you unravel them. Jewish roots perhaps is a bad name. The intent of that label was not to be bad. We thought for a while and have sat in colloquia and in meetings of yeshiva, yeshivot around the world, in Jerusalem, in South America, in India. We've been all over the world discussing what should this movement be called. Hebraic roots. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about something so simple. I hope it will cause you to be on the front row at 8.30, 10.30, 1.30, and 2.30, and don't allow Mr. Sleepy Sam to cause you to stay away. You have the finest scholars known in the English-speaking world on this subject. And so we have spared no expense, actually, of time and effort to get these gentlemen here for you. And so I would begin by saying... What Jesus said to the question of one of the disciples when he announced he was going to go to heaven and leave them, you remember his comforting words, don't let your hearts be troubled. 
How many want to be understood? How many really want to understand what this is all about? Because you can be misread and marginalized and pushed off into a footnote of history and start a little group in your town that in two years we won't even know you met. On the other hand, if we understand who we are, what God's doing in the earth, the proximity to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, it might help us. So I begin with the answer where Jesus said, I'm going to go to the Father. And the disciples said, show us the Father and we will believe. And Jesus said those mighty, powerful words, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Now turn to your neighbor and take a real good look at him and say, you bear a striking resemblance to my older brother. Just look him in the eye. <laughs> you look a lot like my older brother. Now take another look at them because their ears are not even. One eye is darker than the other one. Their nose is generally pointing south and they're facing west. Just stare at them a little bit and say, ask them a question right out loud. Who's your dad? Right now, I want you, who's your dad? You sure look a lot like my brother. How many in your lifetime desire to bear a striking resemblance to your older brother, the Lord Jesus Christ? How many want to be conformed to that image that God said, let's make them in? Wow. And so we're going to answer that question tonight. I want you to leave this weekend ready to give an answer to any man who asks. Because this is not your movement. It's not John Garr's movement. It's not Brad Young's movement. It's not John Looper's movement. It's not even Al and Tommy's. This is of God. Now we look at the scripture in the book of Psalms, chapter 78, and we look at verse 2. And we find out how God speaks. Because when you find out how God talks, then we'll know what this movement is all about. How many believe God is speaking continually? Those of you that study the scriptures will find out that, and God said, let there be light, actually, and God keeps on saying, let there be light. He's sustaining creation by his word. How many are grateful that God's still talking? I speak in parables. Say it with me. I speak in parables. Now, the word parable, if that's how God speaks, I speak English, y'all speak Texan. I'm planning to go to the store. You're fixing to go to the store. How many didn't understand me?
My wife and I moved to, to Lubbock in 1980, and we were talking to the pastor's wife of a church that was hosting us, and she said of another woman from Texas, oh, she's a mayus. <laughs> we thought, wow, these people just openly gossip about one another. How many know if you're Mayus, you're pretty good stuff? How many know? She's a Mayus. Now, I don't know how to spell mess. Y'all play with the verbs, and you play with the nouns, and you play with the uh, vowels, and you, you, you do things, and there aren't any adverbs. And it takes me a while to find out what you're saying. Somebody said to me, I feel bad. <laughs> I waited for Lee. I feel badly. There, there, there aren't any LYs in Texas. <laughs> they all blew over to Louisiana, I guess. <laughs> First Baptist Church had me in Charlotte, North Carolina, pastored by the Southern Baptist president, Dr. Carl Bates. They sent a five-foot man following the service to take me to the motel, and here's how it went. I'm looking down at the top of his head, little tiny bit of a man, Dr. Coke, I'm here to carry you to your motel. Man, I looked at him, I said, you better get some help, I weigh 200 pounds. He said, I didn't mean tote, I meant carry. How many knew exactly what he was talking about? Yeah. I didn't have a clue. I go to Ma and Paul Leinberger's fish camp for lunch following the service, and the lady walked up to this Southern California boy, and she looked at me and said, y'all want some hush puppies? You have to understand, those are shoes to me. Just when I figured out it was a piece of cornmeal, she came back, says, y'all want some ass water? <laughs> said, no, I don't want any of that now. How many know she meant ice water? How many know that? <laughs> Who are we? We're nuts. We're crazy. We've shown up prophetically in a town associated with the leader of the free world on a night when Hamas has won an election and the whole world's going to take Israel's side real quickly concerning these matters. And we're where George W. made his money. This is a prophetic night, folks. God speaks in parables. Once you figure that out, you'll figure out what he's doing. In this meeting, at God's Learning Channel, at CBU, and in your life. What is God doing? Well, he's fixing to put together the biggest parable the world has ever seen, and you're part of it.
One of Korah's sons. How many remember Korah of the deep dish variety? <laughs> Mr. Korah, who the earth swallowed. He didn't understand how God spoke. He didn't get it, and the earth swallowed him up. He was no more. I don't want my life to be lived from beginning to end and not figuring out what God meant when he spoke to me. I don't want you burying me with the epithet, he didn't get it. I want to get it. Now, I was advertised as speaking Spanish. Mi Spanish is muy malo. Muy despacio en la cabeza. Me llama es tonto. And if that doesn't fit, stupido. How many have got that? How many are figuring some of this out? I don't say smart stuff. But I want to get what God's doing right now, and I want to be right in the middle of it, comfortable about it, and able to explain it to my brothers and sisters. God speaks in parables, therefore, my ear needs to detect parable speech. I know when Spanish is being spoken. I know when Hebrew is being spoken. That song tonight lit me up, and I watched my conservative Southern Baptist Dr. Brad. He got with it now. <laughs> that, he, that Israeli, the, the, the pure Hebrew song was lighting me up because we were singing along with you with meaning. How many know when someone's not from West Texas? <laughs> and they need some hip. How many have an ear from those folks from New York who drink coffee and eat hot dogs? You pick it right up. Now in Charlotte, it's coffee. You have to slow it down, put 75 syllables in there. In Charlotte, you can get a television program if you can say God in three syllables. Where did that come from? Korah's son in Psalm 48 says, I will incline my ear to a parable. Say it with me. I will incline my ear to a parable. Now God speaks strangely. It says in Genesis 15.1, God spoke a vision to Abram. Now, apparently you didn't get that. How many enjoyed the third grade? <laughs> I liked it so much I stayed there three years. It was, it was the three happiest years of my life. They wouldn't let me go to the fourth grade. My father was there. And it, it wouldn't be proper to have passed him, you understand. Finally, when he moved to the, to the fifth grade, I got to go to the fourth, and oh boy, I had problems. I fell in love with my school teacher, and I asked her to marry me, but the age difference was such a problem. Uh, I was 10 years older than she was, and <laughs> tell me when you've had enough, because I'm going to incline my ear to the way God speaks. 
most folks don't know what's happening and they think you're being Judaized and they think you're being legalistic and they think when they see a prayer shawl or a shofar or things like this that somehow we're abandoning or jettisoning Jesus and we're on some sort of a middle ground between Jew and Gentile, and we don't know who we are. But I'm telling you that God is raising a mighty army around the world who understands how he is speaking, and we are getting the parables. I don't have to light those candles, but they tell me how the light of the world was brought into this world by a woman. I don't have to light those candles, but they tell me that there is Jew and Gentile that can come underneath and benefit from the light. And everybody said, I don't think that I have to drink that wine, but how many are grateful for the Holy Spirit in your life that cleanses you from all unrighteousness? So it's a parable speaking to me. God spoke to Abram, spoke. He used his lips, expecting Abraham to use his But he spoke to him in a vision which requires the. Folks, I need to talk to you about something. Because we've been held in ignorance in the body of Christ long enough. I'm tired of pablum from the pulpit. And I am tired of pastors not studying and preparing their hearts to lead me into a path of righteousness for his namesake and to stimulate and provide for things beyond sermons. I am tired of going to church one hour on Sunday morning and calling it done. There's a hunger and a thirst in me that one meal a week just does not satisfy. God is speaking to the world through parables and the parable is sitting beside you. That's why I had you look at somebody. Tell them right now, you're not nuts. Just look them right in the eye. You're not crazy. How many believe God is speaking a vision to his people? Like you, Abram was minding his own business in the family business in Iraq. We don't call it that today, but that'll help you locate it. And God spoke to him in a vision. And that vision made him leave his comfort zone and pursue God. It'd be a lot easier for me to continue as the guest speaker at First Baptist churches around the world. Crowds are bigger. Offerings are smaller. What, did I say that? I don't know. Cut. I want you to editate, edit that tape. But I had to leave my comfort zone some years ago when somebody started showing Jesus to me in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. When I saw the connectedness of Abraham and Isaac between God and Jesus. And when I crested that hill called 
the Mount of Olives in 1974 for the first time and felt strangely at home. I have become a parable of what God is speaking in the earth today. In Matthew chapter 13, we are told the greatest parables, seven of them in fact, and Yohanan Salamanca has done a beautiful job of showing that all seven of those parables follow a logical order and can be superimposed over the church history, beginning with the sowing of seeds, then the mixing of tares and wheat and the like until the last one, our present age, when there's a big net thrown out. I'm expecting a worldwide harvest. Hallelujah. But Jesus tells parables to people in an audience like this. Difference being, most of us, I'm assuming all, are born again. But when Jesus was speaking parables, he spoke to a mixed audience, some believers and some non-believers. And folks, that's why this movement needs to have direction and purpose. If God speaks in parables and Jesus spoke in parables to a mixed audience, those who are predisposed to say, I'm going to incline my ear. I want to hear God. How many have come this weekend to hear God speak? I'm here inclining my ear. I want to catch a vision, as did Abraham, of what's going on. I want to hear him say something that I can see. Believers get it. And so finishing the parable of sowing the seed... His disciples, in verse 10, say to him, Why did you speak to them in parables? The them is the non-believers. Please get comfortable with the idea that you are in a hostile environment, even in the church. Because people don't see or hear what you see or hear. But the good news is, if we will be the parable that God is making us to be, soon and very soon, a large part of the body of Christ is going to come on board. We are the first fruits who have seen what God's going to be doing here pretty soon, And we are the ones that need to prepare ourselves with peace and joy and patience. If you'll hang on a little while, nobody will care that it was called Jewish roots, Hebraic roots, Old Testament, New Testament, Messianism. Because I'm telling you, God is preparing some front runners and you're here tonight. And that's why we're here tonight. Not because you're special, more spiritual, or more intellectual. How many can say of a certainty that your IQ is at least in two digits? 
But how many will say you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer? Why us as front runners? Why the elite crack troops? Look around you and have a good laugh. Look who the Lord has chosen. Please have some fun right now. I mean, it's hysterical. Choosing me. I'm so fat. I got on the elevator over at the Grande Hotel. It says limit five. And so I started to go up and it wouldn't move. And a little box said, would one of you six get off? <laughs> I don't know how they knew. They're all, anyway, <laughs> God is speaking to a people who will embrace what he's doing with us. You're not supposed to be the answer man to everything. You're supposed to be the parable that the Lord is raising up so that the folks can see. Why do you speak to people in parables knowing they're not going to get it? Boy, this has got to be frustrating for the believing disciples looking at these non-believers going, I don't get it. And the Lord says, I'm speaking in parables precisely because I want them to say I don't get it because the first step to accepting Jesus as Savior is to admit to God himself, I don't get it. When you can acknowledge that you're a sinner needing to be saved, that's the starting point. So the Lord said, I said these things because you get it and they don't. Now listen to me. A parable is used by God to reveal the matter to the believer. And the same parable is spoken by the Lord to conceal the matter from the non-believer. Not because you're special, but to bring about the frustration for them to want to get it. You are the salt and the light. You are the parable that the Lord is raising up in this last day to actually stimulate interest and concern and excitement. The very fact that people are even asking you what this is all about is important. Folks, the Mark 7 account of Matthew 13 says something so vital. I want to encourage you. I don't want you to leave this weekend thinking yourself strange, thinking yourself ignorant, thinking yourself unable to explain to your pastor what this is all about. You're just, you're just going to be have to content to be able to say, like Abram, God has spoken to me in a vision. The Lord is showing me that Jesus is coming soon and that he's coming to marry the same girl he got engaged to. And she was both Jew and Gentile. And I may be a little ahead of the curve, and I may not say Baruch Hashem properly. All I know is I get it. Here's Dr. Brad Young's phone number. Call him. He'll help you get it. Now, This Mark 7 account says this. After telling the story of the seeds... And explaining 
Jesus says, in my paraphrase, if you don't get this parable, which is one about being born again, you won't get any parables. Let him who has ears to hear, hear and eyes to see. How many know that the starting blocks, the opening door, the entrance into the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You must confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart what? God raised him from the dead. Once that parable is understood, how many have therefore had God explain Jesus to you in the tabernacle? How many have seen Jesus in the feast days? And how many have seen Jesus in the land of Israel itself? And how many have seen Jesus in the Psalms and in the Genesis and in the prophets? How many have seen Jesus in the writings of the Apostle Paul? Why? Because you got the first parable. God was patient with you until you were given eyes to see and ears to hear. I'm calling on you folks to be patient. Be the parable. Don't be the elite. Don't be the know-it-all. We need to understand that while it is fun and enjoyable to wear a talit and to blow the shofarim, and while it is noble and all of these things to have the menorah candles around our neck as jewelry, you need to know, folks, that when you improperly blow a shofar in the presence of some Jews who know how to do it, it's offensive to them. You're exuberant, you're joyful, but remember, say it out loud, I am a parable. I can't hear you. I am a parable. And here's what you need to know about parables. God speaks. You get them. Others don't. So what is a parable? How does God speak? Let's all speak a little Hebrew to each other. It is spelled M-A-S-H-A-L in phonetics. Say it in Hebrew, mashal. To be a parable, mashal. There's even a whole book in your Bible where a man said, these are my parables, my sayings. Mishli, the book of Proverbs, is an entire book that you should memorize and learn it because these are little good sayings that paint pictures. Mashal, let's understand what a parable is. Dr. Carl doesn't get real happy at seminaries when he finds books used to teach pastors who will then preach to you that contain the following statement. I'm paraphrasing. It doesn't say it this way directly, but it implies it. Jesus learned how to tell stories from Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. Now, let me tell you something. <laughs> Don't get me started on these because I'll spend the whole night hot. <laughs> what does it say? I, God, speak in? Jesus is God. When Jesus spoke, he spoke as? How would God speak? 
He didn't learn this from some guy out there, Saddam Hussein and those, those kinds of guys. Did I say insane? He thought he was Monty Hall. He comes up out of the ground a few years ago and wanted to make a deal, you know. He had a crisis. He had an identity crisis. Yeah, Moses himself needed a psychiatrist, you know. He was a basket case in denial. Well, I'm happy now. I heard my first boo. Anyway. If God speaks in parables, we need to acquaint ourselves with what parable means. Folks, I'm here tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to introduce you to God speak so that when you hear it and see it, you'll know it's him and not some preacher, not Satan, or not somebody leading you astray. Because I'm telling you this movement we now call Hebraic Jewish roots is filled with granola people. Fruits, flakes, and nuts. There's false teaching going on. There's false following going on. There's false everything going on, all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many, when you hear from God, want to know it's God speaking? Amen. How does he speak? Mashal. Mashal. Parable. Here's what it means in simple terms, to compare one thing with another. That's all that it means. Anybody who studies the laws of pedagogy, the laws of teaching... No student can learn anything brand new until you teach him from what he already knows. That's the starting point of learning. So God takes something from what we call creation, the physical world, and he compares it to an unknown spiritual and invisible truth. I can tell you with a certainty at CNN, they don't get it. They're all over the map talking about this war going on. It's not between Al-Qaeda and George Bush. The war is between God and Satan. And we are embroiled in the battle. And we hear from God, and the way he talks to us is he compares something real going on in the world with some spiritual truth he's about to reveal. Therefore, he says, when you want to know when the Messiah is coming, take a look at Israel. The reason that Al and Tommy are focused on Israel is not because they like sand and rocks and ibex goats. The reason they are is they are hearing from God and they are seeing things going on in the natural world that is revealing spiritual truth to them from the kingdom of heaven. So if God wants to talk to you about faith, he brings you to the mustard seed. He takes something you know and then he begins to compare it with something you need to know. I cannot prove in a test tube, Mr. John B. Watson of Greenville, Tennessee, or Greenville, South Carolina, 
who has behavioral psychology in all of our schools across America? I cannot prove that I have a soul, Mr. Watson. And he accused us of saying, you can't see one in a test tube, therefore they don't exist. So they've made fun of things they can't see. But I'm here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, to declare to you, though God is invisible, He can be clearly seen through creation. Hallelujah. Something I know shows me something I cannot know. It's invisible. Such as the power of the Lord's resurrection. So he gives me a little seed of corn. And I put it in the ground and I'm expecting the Pentecostals to get excited right about now. I put a seed in the dirt. Dead. And in the dirt is everything that dead seed needs to grow into a plant and reproduce itself. If you'll just add water and fire. The fire is 93 million miles away. But it's a big fire. (laughs) Hydrogen is turning every day into helium. And how many get a suntan once in a while? I used to think all West Texas farmers were dying of some disease because the top of their head was white and their forehead was dark brown, you know. (laughs) What disease is this? And they showed me a baseball cap and everybody said, I got it. (laughs) Folks, you put that dead seed in the ground and you add water and fire and three days every time. It'll resurrect. How do I see an invisible God? I look at corn. Except a seed of corn fall in the ground and die. I know a seed of corn. And it doesn't have butter and salt on it in a picnic in Roswell, New Mexico. That seed of corn is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he went into the earth, there was applied the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, the water and the fire. Hallelujah. And in three days, that seed came out. And look at the corn cob now. And everybody said, one son died. Look how many he got back. When I speak in parables to you, you get it. Those who don't get it will say, you people are stupid. These are myths. You don't know what you're talking about. 2,000 years have gone by. Nobody has shown up yet. How many know the Lord is not slack concerning his promise? A day to the Lord is as a? And a thousand years as a? And about 6,000 years have gone by. Six days. And the seventh day is fixing to come. Shabbat is on its way. How many are getting some of this? God speaks in parables so that you can have things revealed to you. So who are you? A bunch of nuts (laughs) who love God so much you're in that Bible. And he begins to speak visions to you. And when you hear preaching that announces the coming of Messiah... And you're grafted into the vine. 
and that you're part of the family of God and that God was in Christ reconciling the two into one new man and the same Jesus who ascended off the Mount of Olives is coming in like manner and he's going to set up his mushav on the Mount, Mount Zion and we're going to fellowship with him for a whole Shabbat. Hallelujah. I get it. Don't expect people beside you to get it. But if you isolate yourself and go off into some elite group, as many are doing in the Messianic movement, you will not be the parable that the Apostle Paul has spoken of. He uses a parable to teach a parable. Who are you? You are, Corinthians 3 says, living epistles known and read of all men. I say to you tonight, Jesus was right on when he said to Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I can tell you of no greater parable to see an invisible truth except in the man Christ Jesus. He is God. He is man. He is man, therefore I can say, my sins are forgiven. But I can also say to you, he is God, and I can announce to you, there is a resurrection. God has spoken to me in a vision, and he has said, get ready. I'm doing things that will only illustrate the conclusion of this sermon. And that is this. I have thrown away my reputation. It wasn't very good in the first place. <laughs> and I have decided not to even concern myself with the dis-ease of guilt by association. I'm hanging out with you. That ought to be proof enough. <laughs> In this room are Anglicans and Baptists and Pentecostals and Presbyterians and Churches of Christ and Methodists and who did I leave out? Lutherans, Presbyterians. We've even got two Baptocostals who sneaked in here. And suddenly our identity is in nothing more than Jesus Christ and him crucified. And whereas I used to hang out with all of the Baptists and Pentecostals because we didn't trust your Catholic beliefs, I no longer worry about guilt by association. So now I even count among my friends Orthodox, Hasidic, and liberal Jews. I no longer just hang out in the John Calvin section of the theological libraries. I'm over there reading Maimonides. Some people can't even say Nachmanides. Rambam, that sounds like something you'd do at a park, you know. I've been reading the Talmud. Oy vey, anyway. Why I no longer consider myself at risk. I have no reputation. 
Say what you want to say. I'm getting ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to marry the gal he got engaged to. She was Jewish and Gentile at engagement, and she'll be Jewish and Gentile at marriage. Talk about a parable. Pinch the person next to you and say, hey, bride, hey, good looking, hey, hey, hey. The Lord has chosen you. Imagine, take another look and see what the Lord has chosen as his bride. It's a parable. The Lord speaks in parables. He is raising up a parable in us. Why? He wants to show the world a spiritual truth that is invisible at this current time that can only be seen through physical things that they understand. You are the parable and living epistle to proclaim this in message. May God bless you this weekend. God bless you.